0: Hey guys, thank you for coming back to Destiny's Story Part 2. I hope you enjoyed the first half. This is the second half. Please follow us on all our social media platforms. We'll be down below. And let's get into the story. Bye. How old was the child when he was in shelter? Um,
1: We entered the shelter when he was about 14 months. And we ended up leaving before his fourth birthday.
0: So do you think shelter... Like, that's because he's pretty young. So do you think shelter really affected him in any, any way? Or do you, because he's so young, you don't think it did anything to him? I think it had more of a positive effect on him because
1: yeah. where we were staying at, it was like problematic. You know, you don't want your kids to grow up through that. When we was just by ourselves in a shelter, your kid is not thinking anything, especially a baby at that age. She's just like, I am with my mommy. You know, right. like he's having fun. <laughs> he got his toys. He does not know, like, what we're experiencing, what we're going through. He has a bed. He has fresh clothes. He has food in his mouth. He's fine. And then also, we didn't spend a lot of our time in the shelter because I used to leave the shelter probably, like, at 7 o'clock in the morning, drop my son off at school, so we'll take the train down to Chelsea, and then I'm going to Brooklyn to work, right? And then after that, I will go. Him work like literally clock out 4 45. My boss knew I had to clock out 4 45, run and catch the train, like everything had to be precise, right? Get my son, and then I will take him to therapy. Oh,
0: so, he would have therapy or certain days,
1: mostly like three to four days out the week.
0: Oh, that's a lot,
1: yeah. So, I would take him to therapy. He's done at the therapy, like let's just say 6 45. We're home at eight o'clock, he's eating and going to bed, you know, right? And it was just something I had to do because he couldn't get services in his school. Like they couldn't find a located speech therapist, an occupational therapist or physical therapist to go to his school and service him there. So once I found like an outpatient treatment, I was able to take him. And I was just like, you know, I'm going, I'm not waiting any longer for someone to possibly be available to service him because, you know, at this age it's crucial that they exactly. get these services. Um, And then I had class on the weekend. So on the weekend, I remember one time it was cold. They were like, you leaving now? I'm like, yes, I got a class at 8:30. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, like I, when I mean I was on go. I don't know how I did it to this day when I look at my schedule. And I feel like that's why a lot of the staff members, I don't have, I didn't have a problem with them because they respected me. And my case manager, he never gave me no problems when I couldn't meet with him because he knew like I was working school. You know, I wasn't outside or doing anything or making excuses on why I couldn't meet with him. And then it was like, I was sort of like the poster candidate of what you want to be in a shelter, like to better their lives, if that makes sense. Like furthering their education and getting a job, you know. And I was so young at this time. I was probably like 18, 19. So they're like, you know, you're so young. Have your baby. Your baby has like developmental delays. You're doing everything you can for him and still going to school and working.
0: I was just doing a lot. I can't even imagine. It sounds like a lot. It sounds like you're just on double time or you, you got to do what you got to do. And that's what it is. At the end of the day, when you're in shelter, life doesn't stop. Like you still have to um, carry on. You still have to, try to do better for, for you and your kids or if you're by yourself, for yourself kind of thing. It doesn't stop anything. You know what I'm saying? You said also... um before in the other shelter that you were in initially that they only did nitra for you but it's kind of helping you with a voucher and then in the other the second shelter you went to they kind of helped you out a little bit more and they also had like more resources which I think all shelters should have resources like that like washing machines I feel like I went to one shelter and had a washing machine but it also make you stop washing your clothes after a certain time that's another thing by itself but I feel like all shelters should just have everything kind of in the building and to make it kind of easier, because really, if you don't know, guys, as she said before, shelters have curfews. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. She said two o'clock in the morning. My shelter had a curfew. I think it was like eight. It was either eight or nine, one of the two. The one I stayed in the mm-hmm. longest. And because I worked in Manhattan, my daughter was in Brooklyn, but I lived in Queens. Most times I get there exactly <laughs> as curfew was like about to be up. Or I'll get there a little bit after. But you have to understand I'm coming from so far. It's not like I'm doing it on purpose. That's just what it is. So um, it's just very interesting how all shelters definitely work differently. It all depends. Because the path path give you one like idea of what shelters might going to be in their little paperwork that they give you. But when you get to the actual shelter, they have their own rules. Some shelters are more lenient than others on times and things like that. Or um, what you can even do in your room. Because some shelters have microwave. Well, most shelters I think has microwaves. Everyone that I've, been, I've been to before four, all of them had microwaves. And but not all of them have stoves. And all of them have fridge. Whether it's a big fridge or a small fridge, depending on how big your room actually is. But um, right. yes. If you wanna see a video of how a shelter looks inside, I have a video on my actual channel <laughs> what it looks like inside. So if you want to go look for that, you can. Um so tell me a little bit about how like how did they help you with your voucher when you get there got there or did they did you? because you said you went to more than one shelter right more than yes, two shelters know, right that. so
1: yeah only two shelters i could tell you how i secured like permanent housing but yeah. it's it's very lengthy because it was a lot <laughs> tell us
0: that's what we're here for so, <laughs> so, i, I know
1: but when i mean it's lengthy you have to i wish i had a diagram to show you what i went through So at this time, my housing specialist, because we had case managers and housing specialists, she sent me an application to do for New Destiny Housing,
0: right? Right.
1: I did it. I got called back for an interview and I got selected like, hey, we want you for this apartment. I viewed it. It was perfect. It was a project-based Section 8 apartment, right? Mm -hmm. So I had to go through NYCHA and they had to submit all the work to my property management office. And at this time, if you're doing something like this, you have to be on go. Whenever they call and they need a document for you, you need to send it. Whether it's like a SSI letter, whether it's a budget letter, whether it's an ID, a school letter, you're just like on go, right? Right. So I went through this process starting the end of June, right? I'm submitting packets, packets, section eight, Um, I'm communicating with the property manager. Finally, the welfare, they end up cutting checks for like my first month rent and my security deposit and a furniture voucher. It's literally, we're in November now. So that's like six months, if you guys can see the timeline. Section eight, they approved it. The inspection went well, everything is done the day of my lease signing like i'm just going to go pick up my keys getting the checks right right i get a call like hey we can't do lease signing i'm like oh okay like i'm thinking they're gonna reschedule you know like and i remember it was raining that day so i'm like oh you know what happened do you want me to come in later because it was for 9 a.m i'm thinking maybe they're running late to the office they're like um no miss chef that's my last name they're like unfortunately you don't qualify for this apartment and we what? can't do this. After all that, I'm confused. I was
0: crying.
1: <laughs> I, I was, was crying. would have been That's crying that. at I would have been on the floor like a baby. Nah. Mm-hmm. But mind you, I want to train. So I'm just trying to com- compose myself. But I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I started crying. And, like, I call my sister. And she just was like, it's nothing she could do for me. Because people who are not in a situation, they don't know how these things work. They can't mm-hmm. give you advice. They're just listening. And right. she's like, what you I get an apartment like they can't do that. That's what everyone's saying. I'm calling my housing specialist. And they're like, no, it has to be some miscommunication. You know, everyone is just so hopeful at this point. Like you're going to get this apartment. Me, I knew from the tone of the voice of that call, I was not getting that apartment. Right. Wow. So basically they finally emailed me what happened. I went over the limit for that apartment. The person how much though, I was already over like $5,000. Really? So the person who was processing my paperwork, they would have known from the beginning that I exceeded the income limits for that apartment. That apartment, the maximum income you can have is twenty five thousand. Wow. So you have you have to make less than twenty five thousand. At this point, I was around at thirty thousand. If they would have told me from as soon as I was accepted to the apartment, I would have possibly been able to quit my job and maybe qualify. But
0: at this time, so I why couldn't. You want, why do you want to stay? That's, that's why I don't like with these programs. Because they have such a strict limit of how much you can make. you make making a parent, especially a parent. There's a single person I can understand. But still, it's not even fair for them. You make it so low. And we live in New York City. Granted, a lot of stuff is federal. So they can't even, it can't even help it. But why make it so low? And people can't live off of the money that they have to pay for rent. Plus food, plus clothes, deodorant. It's not fair. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up in my head. Why do that? And and then you're a parent. But continue, I digress.
1: But you have to understand my income was also that high because I was living in the shelter. So I was getting, they count food stamps and like your cash and all these other programs you're receiving as income. And my son at the time, he was receiving SSI and his SSI was almost the maximum because we lived in a shelter. And when they saw like our budget letter, they thought like, hey, you're paying that much for rent. You know, we were making a lot of money in the shelter, but we just couldn't you know, find housing that was affordable for us. And mind you, I'm only making like 30,000. So reality, I probably would have never been able to afford anything. But after that, I was just so sad. Like I was depressed. And at this time I received a new roommate and she was like, you know what's going on? And I was telling her, and it was just, I was walking around empty. Like after that, all my hope is gone because this was an apartment I was invested for for like six months. And I it felt like you lost something that you was entitled to you feel like you're entitled if that makes sense even though you're not um i was sad because it's like
0: you did it's like you go to school and literally they say oh yeah you passed your class but you can't get a diploma it don't make no sense like you did all your work on your part it's not fair i'm sorry i know
1: i was like also, I feel sad for lost time because at this time I could have been looking for other stuff for me, my exactly. family, getting our exit plan. And also in my shelter, my first roommate at this time, she went back. She had to get, um. they actually kicked her out the shelter. They didn't kick her out, but she wow. spent the maximum time there and she had to go back to PATH. And the only reason why they didn't do that to me is because I was scheduled to go into my apartment. So I had anxiety, like, I don't want to go the path. I don't want to go the path with all my stuff because at this time I accumulated a lot of stuff. Where am I going with all this?
0: That's crazy.
1: So I was just sad. My housing specialist was no help. Um, at this point, I'm like, what do I do with the checks that welfare gave me? Because I don't want them to think I'm doing fraudulent activities when it's time for me to move and turn apartment. So I'm like, maybe I'll just return them. I end up returning the checks. Um, even the welfare was confused, like you're returning the checks, like you know, what happened? I was just like, Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone. I go back now to section eight, like the NYCHA headquarters in Brooklyn, because they took me off the waiting list for NYCHA now. Like I'm at like end eight and nine when I should be N one again, highest priority. Right. And you know, so now let's just say I could have got an apartment called for NYCHA and I didn't because I thought that they thought I was getting this apartment. Even the worker who works for section eight, she was completely confused. Like, why they did that's why they didn't catch that, you know. The person who's doing the paperwork really messed up, like really bad. So at this point, no one's helping me in my shelter. Everyone's just like, uh, you know, telling my sad story, like, oh, what happened to her? I'm like, let's reach out to New Destiny Housing and let them know what happened. You know, my housing special's like, well, we could see, if we could do that. I'm like, I'm pretty sure. Let's just tell them everything that happened and how it affected me because it did affect me in a way. And um, I sent out this long email. I put my heart and soul into it. Of course. I'm like, that's all I can do at this point. They sent out an email. I got an email back like, hey, we're gonna see what else we have available for you. Like just give us a couple of weeks, you know. They called me back with an apartment. It's further up in the Bronx, which I'm I'm not familiar with the Bronx either. So I was like Either way, I'm going to take it. I went to view it real quick. And even the super was like, that's all you need to see. I'm like, yeah, I'm taking it, you know?
0: I don't think people realize, like, once you, you know, you want to get out of the shelter. Honestly, the first thing that they give you, <laughs> you just kind of just say, you're like, I want to be out of here. I don't want to stay here forever. This is not my end all be all kind of thing. So that's what I did, too. I'm not going to lie to you. Oh, wait, so- hold on. I actually forgot something. They showed me an apartment.
1: My housing specialist called me and said, hey, I have an apartment. Right, this was before I even got accepted for New Destiny. Right, right. I was a year into the shelter. I went to go view it, and I had to deny it. I said, I cannot take this. Why? Why? One because it was a walk up. Got it. I cannot do a walk up, and my son is in the show. And then also, my son he was getting services time physical therapy. He's not. He wasn't strong on his legs, so I couldn't foresee in the future how his mobility. If that makes sense. Like, I didn't know if he was going to be able to really walk on his own without AIDS and stuff like that. So, yeah. and then the neighborhood was not safe at all, like, where I was at. And I know that may sound cliche to people, but I was thinking, like, I'm going to live here long term. If I'm scared to even go there for the first time, how am I going to live here? You know? That's true. The building wasn't secure. Like, it was a lot of sketchy people in the hallways, let's just say that. And I was already thinking, like, wow. <laughs> No, because you have to take these things into
0: consideration. That's true, you do.
1: And um, I end up telling them, like, hey, I can't take this. They were all mad at me because I was, like, the only person in the shelter who had, like, link one at that time.
0: Oh, I hate and those programs.
1: Yeah, I was in there when it was link, when you had to work. And they were like, oh, we're going to, like, basically, you might get kicked out the shelter because you had housing and you denied it. And I had to bringing letters from my son, doctor like hey this is why this is not a feasible apartment for us you know yeah luckily like I do have my son has a disability where like I wouldn't get kicked out the shelter or penalized for that but fast forward now I want to view well, the apartment
0: well, You go to me I feel like people's safety should be considered when they do certain things and even if your son didn't have like something physically wrong with him or whatever it shouldn't be that you have to get a, a doctor note saying this and that. If you don't want to live in a certain environment, you don't feel safe, uh, and you're already a person who already has trauma from domestic violence. Why in the world would they not? They try to push you to go somewhere, say denying services. I want to be in a safe place, a safe environment. Why can you not understand that? It doesn't make sense to me. You know, I feel like if, especially in that situation, they should have um gotten you a better place and before they even put you there, see you to make sure it was okay to be honest but you know
1: also i knew like i knew not to take even if, even if i really wanted i knew not to take it because i knew it would make me relapse to my son's father like i knew i would tell him to come and stay with me because i wouldn't feel safe you know i would want a man in the household like if something happens someone break into my apartment because it did look like an apartment someone would break into if that makes sense i knew like I would relapse or make more, initiate more contact with him when I already had no contact with him. So I had to think about that too. Like, you know, I'm in this shelter now because I'm trying to get away from this person. You know, I don't want to move somewhere and then be back in the same situation. And it took a lot of maturity for me to think like that. And mind you, because I'm still young. I'm only 19, 20 at this time. And I was like, you know what? It's going to be okay. I had hope. I'm like, yo, God is going to send me something. You know, it's going to be something that, I could live with my son. It's just me and him. That's when New Destiny Housing they sent me this other apartment. I remember I went to go view it. I was like, I'll take it. Now here comes another hiccup. (laughs) Nothing could never go right for me. (laughs) Nothing could never go right. So they're like, all right, you can use your voucher, right? Right. And the maximum income for this is like 40 something thousand. I'm like, all right, I'm using my voucher. Finally, I can use this voucher that I've been having, right? Man. For all this time. It's going to be right? expired. I'm I like, that's going to be the next thing you're going to tell me. We'll continue. It always is expired because they never renew it. Oh my gosh. Right? So anyway, they go and send me out a new voucher. We submit the packet, you know. They go and inspect it. First, it didn't pass because they just needed some child bars because my son was under six. Then the apartment passes. This is from February. Actually, March, y'all. This is from March, right? They submit the packet. Now, here's a hiccup. They said, you make too much money for a voucher. I'm so confused. They said, I made too much money for a voucher. And I was like, excuse me? What do you mean I make too much money for the voucher? And I at this time, when you're submitting your packet, you have no communication with HRA who's actually doing your packet. Right. Your housing specialist does. And that's what I didn't like because I was not on the email conversations. And I feel like with me, if it was me on the email conversations, everything would have been done within one to two weeks. And I was calling my housing specialist. She was doing what she was supposed to do. But I feel like people didn't take her seriously if, like she's not a dominant person and unfortunately in the industry like this you have to be dominant and strict you know right and i was like i hope they're not like you know just push my paperwork to the side months go by we keep emailing they're not responding back they weren't responding back we're like why does she meet the um income qualification when they finally email us back in like april they said oh she makes this and this amount of money over the federal poverty level so they were calculating my income to the federal poverty level when they need to do new york state income levels because the federal poverty level you're going to always be over it if you work in new york because our minimum wage is 15 that's true so they kept literally we will send them like literally a whole spreadsheet of what they're doing wrong like highlighted and they will still send back the same thing like hey you make too much money right? It's to the point where I got so fed up, I found the number to the unit that's processing my paperwork. And you know how diligently you have to search for a number for HRA?
0: Right. have <laughs> a lot of Google searches, a lot of reading paper trying to find out which one is the exact department you're looking for. It's, it's ridiculous. I've done it. So I know. I, yeah, I found that
1: unit. It's called the admin unit. I called them, Right. She was like, who's this? And I was like, oh, this is this and this paperwork. You know, she hung up on me. She's like, you know, it's going to go straight through your house of worker. And I was upset. I went to the building. Like I was desperate because, you know, this is my apartment. I'm not trying to lose it again. I have PTSD. Um, and at this time I made, I qualified for the apartment. You know, like I qualified for everything. Why y'all denying me? I feel like when we have a voucher, You shouldn't be denied for anything when it's time to move because y'all just keep saying, oh, we have a voucher, we have a voucher, but you're not checking people like throughout their state and make sure that they really qualify, you know? Right. So at this point, we didn't know what to do. So I'm like, I think I could call a fair hearing for it. You know, my housing special, she didn't know what to do. I'm like, all right, I'm going to call a fair hearing. Like, that's all I could do because it's with HRA, you know? Right. Right. And it's to the point now we started from March, we in like June, the property management office was tired of basically going back and forth with HRA. And they were like, hey, we will adjust the rent to you for like $900. Can you pay that? That's how desperate they were. Like that's how much HRA was not complying to us, not responding to us, that they were willing to adjust the rent to what they think I could be able to pay. At this point I said, no, and I said, no, why? Because I knew I qualified for the voucher. And I'm, I'm still going to school at this time. So I'm like, I will quit my job. I end up just telling my boss, like, hey, I'm going to need some time off. And my boss at this time, I was so fortunate. He was the amazing boss I could ever ask for. He was just like, okay, come back when we're ready. And I'm like, thank you. So I submitted my paperwork to HRA that I'm just going to school as well. So when it came time for the fair hearing, I won it because it was like, all right, now she's going to school. And even before that, they proved that I still I still was able to qualify. My housing specialist came with me to the fair hearing. It was really quick. It was like on 14th, 16th Street. And I was just so happy that I finally was able to get the voucher. And I moved into my apartment August 15th. So from March all the way up until August, I was fighting with HRA to move into my apartment.
0: that's a long time it really is i could not the thing about it with these programs is like you have to fight just to get it because it seemed like it's just like they say oh just fill out these paperwork give this in and they'll be fine but no you have to fight tooth and nail just to be able to get the thing that you actually deserve to get and i feel like it shouldn't be that difficult but apparently as you can see from these stories that we tell you Mm -hmm. on here it is (laughs) that difficult to do it so now you're on well link turned into city peps at this point yeah, um, for shelter. the city vets. But
1: at this point, I felt like when you went to shelter and you work, and I had a little conspiracy theory that they didn't want to give you a voucher. Probably, mm-hmm.
0: which is kind of sad. But
1: yeah, a lot of people was having problems with submitting their packets, and I felt like it was crazy. I felt it was crazy that it was going on this long, when I've been in here for so long, and look how much you guys are paying for rent for me to stay here
0: exactly red is not cheap in shelter guys it is not cheap for one person or even two people it's it's a lot of money you'd be very surprised
1: and i just remember like my case manager my housing specialist, them being so happy for me because like i fought and i was finally leaving like i guess if they wanted to see somebody win i guess it would be me (laughs) because (laughs) i'm going through so much you know and just still fighting i'm not I'm not in contact with my son's father. Like I'm doing everything I'm supposed to. And my rent ended up being like 230 something after, which is good because I still have to pay my Con Edison. So like, let's just say if I took the rent for 900 and now I'm paying Con Edison, I will be way over more than 50% of my household income. And I'll be struggling again, possibly on the verge of losing housing.
0: That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, where are you now? What is the um, voucher like right now? Because right now, she's, I don't know, You did you start in Link and then exchange to the city febs? Was it around that time? Or would the, did you just end up getting city febs by itself? I ended up just getting city febs. Okay, got it. If you don't you know guys? Been. Yeah. You can see. I was in the shelter for like three years, so got it's you. a long time. So, they had Link 1, 2, and I think 3 or 4. And five i believe i want to say it was it's been a while guys that's like yeah, i think it was six i think it yeah, went up to six, six yeah and they had it for different like if disability you're working not work. they had a different thing and mind you guys i try to get it myself and they was not budging and mind you i was working at the time they had a part-time thing they had a different like i feel like they really want i think what it is my housing specialist at the time she was lazy and she didn't want to do her job and it was just a lot I had to go to the director to do this and that it was just a lot and then everything happens for reasons i heard that FEPs, you know it could be a handful i have nights now which is you know you know <laughs> but um now they don't have the links anymore they only have it well people who had links they put it into city feps so City feps is um the voucher program that they have here in new york that's supposed to it works it goes through hra so basically that's how you get that and things like that you have to be in shelter for 90 days which if you know, um, they have a 90 day rule in shelter saying that for them to help you with anything really for housing, you gotta be in shelter 90 days um, after you get accepted. So if you get accepted for your first, now I heard is honestly, people who are in the shelter are telling me this, which I already knew this because of Corona, things are getting pushed out more than the 10 days. So if you get accepted, say exactly the 10 days, you gotta be in shelter altogether 100 days basically which is a couple of months, you know, because 90 days is like three months. But um, be in the shelter for that long for them to even help you do your paperwork for any voucher and things like that, which is to me, that's crazy. Because people get denied, usually, people don't go through usually the first time. It takes a couple of times for them to even be um, accepted into the shelter and it's usually over on my, on my new thing. It could be, most of the time, I think it's over housing history, to be honest, from what I see and what I know, what happened to me. um a lot of people that I talk to, is usually because of their housing history, to be honest, or they think they you can go somewhere else. They try to try to bamboozle you into somebody else's place. Why well, just can't have my own? Like I don't understand. But but yeah. So what like if you was in what would be your ideal thing that you could tell yourself before um, when you was in shelter? What you think you would be like advice you would give yourself back in the day?
1: You're gonna be here for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Got truth it. because when you go in here you think like i'm gonna be out in three months i'll be out in six months because i don't know about everybody else like you think people are lazy you get that like first perception you're going like you're lazy if you've been here for that long like how you been here for that long you know <laughs> right and then you realize like, oh, it's not the people. It's really just the system, how it works. Getting cold for nature, using your vouchers, finding apartments. And honestly, certain shelters, it's bureaucracy. They only give apartments to certain people. Like if you're one of their favorites, I wouldn't say favorites, but people who don't get them problems or people who they want to look out for you, they're going to get the first apartment to you. It's not, it doesn't go by like order, like, hey, this person been in here the longest, let's give it to them,
0: you know? It's so weird. Cause even not even just vouchers. Like example, my shelter, they used to have tickets for certain like activities and things like that. And they clean, they put up stuff around. But i will be there. Mind you, a lot of times I'm at work anyway. They usually have to do activities on a in a day in a week. But if they had something like on a Saturday or something like that, I wouldn't know about the activity. The only activity I know is when I got and had a new housing specialist and me and him was cool. He was on um, a church like a church person like myself. So we used to talk a lot, stuff like that. He's work also working on the weekends. They used to have activities. I didn't know nothing about it. Only certain people went. And it's always easy to say people was there all the time. We didn't have jobs. I'm like, I'm confused. If you have tickets, it should be, I guess, a certain amount of people for each caseworker. I think that would be fair. Or have a list of people, you know, A to Z, and only pick the first 10 of, like, always go down. You know, it shouldn't be the same people every time. And it's not fair. So I, I, I really believe that. I know that for a fact that happened. Because the first time specialist I had, she wasn't doing her job, and I had to ask the director for a noon because she wasn't doing what I told her to do, what to go in, what to put in for nitra. Because when you're a nitra person, when you apply for nitra, and you have overcrowding, they put you a certain like category. So DV is first, and I think shelter is second. But I, when I filled out my um, application, it was like three years before at that time. They still had me under overcrowding, and I'm like, no, put me under shelter. She wasn't helping me with to do. So I had then to be calling Nitro myself to tell them, Oh, I'm in shelter. I gotta bring this from the shelter. Bring this. it was a whole lot of stuff. When she should I was basically doing her job and she's getting paid for it. That's basically what it was. And I don't think that's fair to people who you're working for. You're working for me, essentially. So could you just do your job? Like, I don't understand. But but I saw other people that heard me, other people in there saying, Oh, I'm leaving. And the people who are leaving, I peeped who she was doing it for. And I'm like, wow. And then like I wasn't working. I was working. I worked part-time, but I was still working. And I still qualified for certain programs, but she wouldn't put me in it. Or certain things would stop me. for like I didn't owe my landlord rent, so I didn't qualify, which I think that's a dumb reason not to qualify for FEPs. I mean, city FEPs, but, you know, whatever. But yeah. So what advice would you give people in a shelter right now?
1: I would say fill out every application you can. Because you never know when that, when they're going to call you. Like, when I was going through that whole problem with getting obtaining a voucher, I got called for another unit, RPT. It's not the best, but it gave me hope. Like, I was starting to get callbacks. I would apply for everything. I would also save up a lot of money because at this time, I did almost have up to, like, $10,000 saved up. So, wow. let's just say, yeah, because I was working and I had resources, I moved out the shelter with probably like $9,000, right? Have that money saved up. And also I would tell people to envision your life outside of New York City because that was my plan. If I made a plan, if I didn't get an apartment by this in this date or like affordable housing, I'm going to move out where I can afford it. You know, take the soda voucher. Um, I believe they still have that. I'm not sure it's a voucher Mm -hmm. where they help you. They help you move out of town or move to another state and live your life somewhere else because there's more to, um, there's more cities out there. There's more places for you to live. And I will keep always keep that option open, especially if you have family in other states. Um, I will also try, try to just make your life easier Don't make as much friends in there. Like, I didn't make a lot of friends, so I never really got into problems, like altercations. Try to maintain a job in there if you can, because it does keep you sane. It keeps you going. When you don't have a job, you're more suitable to, I would say, depression, because you're not having such a routine. Like when you have to get up and you have to brush your teeth, you have to shower, you have to go to work. It just keeps you moving like a machine. And it's not the best, but it gets you through it. And also try to remember that it's not your fault. It's not your fault that you're going through. There's many other reasons why this is happening. You should be able to afford an apartment like on your own. We should have more affordable housing in a city like this. Don't victim blame yourself. Just know, like, you know, it's not your fault and a lot of people are going through this and it's going to get better. Eventually, it is going to get better and you
0: control your own life. I think that's definitely true. I think that's definitely good advice. I was a person, honestly, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I could have saved no money. I was working part-time. Was it $15 yet in New York City? I think it was like $12. I didn't have a still in my um, shelter, so I couldn't. Do certain things I wasn't able to save like that, and um, I only work the 20 hours a week. <laughs> Most of the time, I, I I bought food outside, so um, I hate microwave food. I bought a microwave recently, but you know I hate <laughs> microwave food. Um, I think it tastes so bad. People we went pizza to microwaves. I'm like, mm, that is not for me. But um, I think if you could save and you able to do that for yourself and really able to you know have that for yourself, I think that's amazing. Um, but if you can't, you know things happen. You can. Everything will work out for, for what you needed to get work out for, basically. I think that's how it is, to be honest. Um, yes. Like, also, in terms
1: of saving, like, I was also getting, like, student refunds at this time. So, it was other sources of income that I was getting. And then, also, like, and you're when you're in a DV shelter, I'm not sure if they do it in a DHS shelter, you get a slip from the welfare every month on how much they think you should be saving and they want you to send like the check to them so they oh, can yeah. put it. In I didn't do that. They wouldn't get yeah. my money.
0: <laughs> I didn't do that either.
1: I didn't do that either because like I feel like when I wanted my funds, I should have access to it. Right. But I did use it as a template, if that makes sense. Like, you know, like I should be doing this or I should be doing that, you know. I understand. Even I
0: understand. if
1: you don't have a lot, you know, save as much. As you can, so you feel like you're moving towards your goals, even if it's like twenty hours a month. You know you're gonna feel good.
0: It's definitely true. So guys, we have come to the end of the podcast. I hope you enjoy. It. I hope you got things out of it. Um, one thing I want to say, um, don't make it get to the point if you can. You know to get ACS involved, but ACS is a, a thing a thing to help you, honestly. People are scared to get, go to it or get help from it, but definitely they have a lot of resources for families and to, like obviously for children and take that into account. And I, I'm happy that that's really, because some parents, a lot, of, a lot of mothers and or fathers out there have the have kids and they pick the person over their kid. I'm happy that she didn't pick the person over her kid and she took her child's life and her life into consideration to make sure um, that they could have a better life for a future. And she makes sure everything, all the decisions she made is for her child. And I think that's a sign of a good parent, you know, and to, to get able to look out for resources that she needed Um, so she don't end up losing her child, because that could honestly happen. It happens to people every day. Kids are in foster care because of decisions their parents are making. Um, So, yes, I I really give her credit for that. And I'm happy she got out the situation very safe, because honestly, a lot of domestic violence um, situations come out much worse than we would like to know about. Mm -hmm. So... I'm happy she came out one piece. I'm happy she's here. She's able to work with me with the fellows, with the Family Homeless Coalition. And guys, we're going to have resources down below of domestic violence um, information and just things in general. Remember, we have a panel coming up. She'll also be one of our speakers on on the panel. So look out for that. It's going to come out the end of October. And I hope you can follow us on YouTube, on Twitter, on Instagram, everything, (laughs) Facebook, and yes. honestly tiktok too because we, we're we everywhere we're trying to be out there so yes. and we got an
1: event that we're going to be going to
0: please yes, show yes we up. do yes we do so i think it's december 15th if any i'm, I'm not sure when it's going to come out guys so honestly by the time it's come out you might not even hear this part but um if you look if you're on our on our pages we uploaded it on instagram on our stories so you should be seeing us coming out with that soon if depending on what it is. So if you want to be up on Hera Voices activities, definitely go on our um, pages and we'll see things up to date li- daily or every couple of days. So um, yes. And we're both out of the group. It's probably me and her who does the most of the social media stuff. So yes. we have any last words for the people? Um,
1: just stay strong and you got this. It's going to get better in time.
0: All right, guys. You heard it. So thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. See you next time. Bye. Bye.